Hi, I'm Lawrence Carroll. Welcome to Two Question Tuesday. With the debt ceiling debate hanging over the markets and the economy, the Republican House members walked out of talks with the White House on Friday and met again on Monday. The country could start to default its debts next week on June 1st. Democratic representatives are urging the president to invoke the 14th Amendment. With Congress not in session again before June 1st, what do you expect to happen in the markets? So there's a lot of back and forth dynamics to this. And I think one of the misconceptions is that we were going to come to some form of an agreement relatively quickly and or easily, which never seems to happen whenever you have these political disagreements back and forth. Um, so there's a lot of misunderstanding about what is potentially going to happen. And obviously, if they do come to some form of, form of agreement and do pass something, it still is going to take time because they still do not have some type of a rudimentary structure in place. And this will absolutely still have to pass through the House and the Senate. So whatever they come up with, they're going to have to rush this through in order to make sure that this is approved in time and they can hide the debt ceiling. Now, if you were to invoke the 14th Amendment, there's definitely going to be a level of constitutional disagreement involved with what's going to potentially happen next. And even if we pass this quote unquote deadline, the fact that it's always really referred to as some form of, an, uh, of a default is a little bit of a misconception because payments on the debt is are constitutionally mandated. So the realistic probability is that we could get past that June 1st deadline and the spending that our government engages in basically gets reorganized. And what will potentially happen is national parks will shut down. Foreign debt or the interest on debt to foreign bondholders could be paid before social security payments get paid out. So this is a political lightning rod for what's going to happen when it comes to the presidential election. If we get past this payment and suddenly people are not getting checks that are sent out to them for social security and foreign bondholders are obviously continue to be paid. Now, that is going to have really significant financial implications for, you know, total financial markets. But even if you look back to the August of 2011 time period, now we didn't go over the debt ceiling then, we just came to, it, it, we went to the 11th hour before we got some type of an agreement, interest rates declined substantially on our debt. So if we re renegotiate and reorganize where these payments are coming from, and we stop, we close national parks, we do other things that aren't quote unquote mandatory, the interest on our debt is going to be paid first beyond everything else. So you're going to see a little bit of a reorganization on how the government makes its payments, but the interest on our debt is still going to be paid, even whether we invoke or don't invoke the 14th Amendment, which as time goes on grows more likely by the day because there is a really significant contingent of progressive Democrats that are urging Biden just to invoke the 14th Amendment and move on with this thing. Yeah, I don't think we <clears throat> default on the, on the debt, obviously. I think we uh, come to a, a solution. You know, the plane's going to land. It's just going to be a bumpy ride in as a member of Congress who's a friend of mine told me recently. And I really feel that, that is, uh, that's what's going to happen. Um, but these talks are just sloppy. Look, the markets have, you know, you're in a period, a lull of news right now. So this is, you know, what's on the front page. Uh, meanwhile, we're locked at, high, at, you know, decent levels. Uh, heading into the half year. And, um, you know, let's see where earnings come in and where inflation comes in. I think this is a lot of background noise right now.
uh, that will be out of the way, fortunately. Uh, I love the fact that the market is almost ignoring the political charades with everything. Um, or it likes, or it likes it that nothing's getting done that they can't even get this that's done. That's right? absolutely true. Um, my only yeah. concern is that the market is, you know, uh, it's ignoring it so much as it grinds higher that when that happens, you do have a little bit more elevated risk to the downside. But I can't stand when politicians make it all about themselves. Okay, and moving away from politics, the technology stocks are surging this year. The NASDAQ composite is up more than 19% since the start of the year. Meta stock has more than doubled, and Apple and Microsoft shares have each gained at least 30%. So why is the tech sector surging, and do you expect this to last? Look, if you go back to January's two for Tuesdays, February's two for Tuesdays, to us, it made no sense to have these incredibly well-run tech companies with more cash on hand than the U.S. government, higher bond ratings than the U.S. government or equivalent, uh, with international exposure uh, selling off last year, you know, uh, worse than or, or equivalent to uh, the 2008-2009 financial crisis. So when we looked at those stocks uh, coming into the year, you know, the Microsofts, the Googles, the Apples, Tesla, uh, they were incredibly cheap. So sold off for really no reasons. With the fear at that time, if you remember being inflation will hurt these companies and tech, you know, was, hey, you have inflation coming, sell tech, sell tech, sell tech, took the NASDAQ down 35%. That was the wrong trade. Again, these companies are, were not, as we said on Two for Tuesday, your dad's tech stock from 1999. So we saw real value there. Um, and I think when you, you know, now uh, these stocks have run hugely, right? Google was down, you know, 40% last year. It's up 40% this year. Uh, Meta, as you mentioned, you know, really uh, more than doubled on the year. Um, <clears throat> tremendous moves in Apple, et cetera. The price to earnings on these companies, it's still not that bad. Like they're still, you know, you can, a few of them are Amazon, Apple. They're still in the 20s to 30s, uh, Google as well. Um, so it doesn't really make them that historically expensive uh, with all the new AI applications coming in. Maybe they're entering a new product cycle, uh, which is very interesting. Um, but these stocks have really ran very far into the half. Um, I think there's a lot of other value out there uh, aside from tech right now. While I, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be a buyer at these levels, certainly. You know, we recommended that earlier. Um, but I wouldn't be a seller either. I think that they've entered a, a, you know, a new product cycle, and those are often powerful moves when no one expects them. And that really goes to show you how you, know, you buy great companies, uh, you make some tweaks to the portfolio, or you adopt an index strategy. But with the great companies uh, that you identify and buy, you, know, you really got to hold uh, for, for a longer-term holding. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing some big moves right now. Moves that, in fact, if you're not in, uh, you can't catch because the stocks are just so volatile. Yeah, and the turnaround has happened so quickly. This goes to the comments about, you know, always trying to time the market. You're going to have periods where markets go up, markets go down. But the, the most ironic thing about all of this is if you look at the composition and the weightings of the indexes and what's performed the best so far this year, the companies that have the most cash have performed the best, realistically, when you think about the mega caps. And that goes to show... The difficulties that are going to be uh, present in the future as companies who are not cash flow positive try to raise capital to continue to spend to grow. And that cash obviously is 
generating some type of a positive rate of return now for them if utilized and invested correctly. So I think that that has something to do with it. But tech corrected last year. The rates of growth of tech are relatively resilient based on how the economy has evolved and shaped over the course of time. And there are always applications that are going to come out in the future that are can be somewhat instrumental in crafting the future of revenues for a lot of the tech sector. And like you said, artificial intelligence is one of those. So I think that people- And look, if you look at where the markets are, right, from a market standpoint now, and with tech running so much into the year, and then you look at how, you know, really five stocks have made up something like 80% plus of this S&P 500 move up, you know, 9% is really 80 to 90% of that is really in just five stocks that are tech stocks. Um, I think as you get to the half year, uh, if inflation comes down, right, and the, the, the geopolitics starts to calm down, you will see uh, this move continue uh, possibly into the, some of the other areas of the market where there is value. You know, provided especially that the financials uh, strengthen up, uh, that's going to be interesting to watch in the second half. Uh, what financials and healthcare do to your point, which you know also have cash on hand, the better run ones, uh, and and see how they do on on the value side because value really hasn't done anything if not being down on the year of March. Yeah, for sure. But as inflation continues to ease, and I still do believe we're going to see another at least one percent drop in the CPI between now and really the July slash August print, um, that has the potential to buoy some high dividend paying stocks um, because as yields fall, their dividends actually become a little bit more attractive. And that's built into the base effects of inflation accelerating a year ago. So as long as we don't see the current price structure of everything really accelerate, we have at least another 1% that the CPI is going to fall between now and August. And you guys are of the opinion that we're not having a recession. We think we had one. We think there's rolling elements of that still going through the economy in every sector. Uh, will the data show, you know, another full-fledged recession, a second one? Uh, I don't think so. I think we've had it, and I think it's rolling through the economy. So the market's not going to have this crash that everybody else is predicting. Man, people talk about crashes all the time, and there's such low probability outcome type of events that it's really hard to anchor and bet on those because you lose a lot of money by missing out on a lot of different things if you sit on the sidelines and just wait for that crash. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Same story, and we're sticking to it. Yeah. All right, thanks, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com, and we will be back next week. Thanks, guys.